Welcome back to the Castro Files. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you all for joining. Mm, super excited. Appreciate it. To have them here, and I'm super excited to hear your story. Yeah, I've got a good one today. We're going to yeah. jump right into it. Okay. This one, this story today is about a woman named Alma Fielding. Okay. I was kind of going through and just looking at some stuff and trying to figure out, like, what was one of the oldest poltergeist stories that were told and then then it kind of went down this little rabbit hole so i'm gonna jump into that yeah so hang out hope you enjoy the show let's go all right this is out on theguardian.com this is from 2020 2020 actually um the housewife the ghost hunter and the poltergeist okay It's, it's a pretty fun one 1938 34 year old alma fielding reported Objects mysteriously flying around her ho- around her home. 80 years on, Kate Summerscale, author of the true crime classic, The Suspicions of Mr. Win- Wincher, Witcher, set out to investigate the unexplained case of Croydon Poltergeist by Kate Summerscale. On February 20th, 1938, the Sunday Pictorial carried a report of a haunting in Croydon. A 34-year-old housewife had called to tell them about a strange set of events that at the home she shared with her husband, Les, her son, Don, and their lodger, George Saunders. I think that's like a roommate. Yes. Come to my house, Alma Fielding, implored the pictorial's news desk. There are things going on here that I can't explain. On Sunday, the Sunday pick, as it was known to its readers, dispatched two reporters to Croydon. As Alma opened the front door to them, they saw an egg fly down the corridor to land at their feet. Holy cow. As she led them to the kitchen, a pink china dog rattled to the floor and a sharp bladed tin opener cut through the air at the head at head height. In front of the parlor, a teacup and a saucer lifted out of Alma's hands as she sat with her guests. The saucer spinning and splintering with a ping as if it was shot in midair. She screamed as a second saucer exploded in her fingers and sliced into her thumb. While the wound was being bandaged, the reporters heard a crash in the kitchen. A wine glass had apparently escaped a locked cabinet and shattered on the floor. They saw an egg whirl in through the living room door to crack against the sideboard. A giant chunk of coal rose from the grate, sailed across the room inches from the head of one of the reporters and smacked into the wall. Interesting. The Fielding's house seemed to be under siege from itself. Les, Don, and George were all at home, but as far as the pictorial men could tell, none of them was responsible for the phenomenon. The objects were propelled by an unseen force. The pictorial published its piece the next morning under the slogan, This is the most curious front page story we have ever printed. In an ordinary terrace in Croydon, it declared some malevolent Ghostly forces working miracles, poltergeist, dot, dot, dot. That's when the scientist, that's what the scientists call it. The spiritualists, they say is it's all caused by mischievous earthbound spirit. In January, 2017, I visited the society for physical research archive in Cambridge to look up some of the references to the ghost hunter, Nander Fodor, who had investigated the case of Alma Fielding and the Croydon poltergeist. I didn't expect to find anything directly relevant. Fodor had been working for a rival organization, the International Institute for Psychic, no, Phys, Psychical, sorry, that's okay. a word that I hadn't really 
found recently, psychical research, whose papers were said to have been destroyed by German bombs. But when documents were delivered to the university's library manuscripts room, I discovered they were Fodor's original records. The SPR must have acquired the International Institute's archive when the smaller organization was disbanded in the 40s. To my delight, one of the files turned out to be Fodor's Fodor's dossier on Alma, mistakenly cataloged as a holding as as a holding on Mr. Fielding. The manila folder contained transcripts of Fodor's interviews and seances with Alma, lab reports, x-rays, copies of her contracts, scribbled notes, sketches, photographs of the damage wrought by the poltergeist in Alma's house and on her body from Alma's story. Fodor had deduced to the horror of his colleagues that uh, that repressed memories could generate terrifying physical events. Right, so she's got something going, going on deep and deep right. down, right? And to also just to think a side note here is that they did X-rays of her to make sure that she didn't have like metal in her or anything like that. that it wasn't like doing like magnets attract or anything, right? right? The Jewish Hungarian immigre Fodor had thrown himself into the '30s supernatural scene. He joined the Ghost Club and the London Spiritualists Alliance, befriended members of Farian's Investigation Society, contributing articles to the Spiritualists' weekly light. Spiritualism was a big business in Britain. The faith offered something tremendous, said Arthur Conan Doyle, a breaking down of the walls between two worlds, a call of hope and of guidance to the human race at the time of its deepest affliction. After the terrible losses of the First World War and the influenza pandemic of 1918, thousands of spiritualist seance circles had been established by the bereaved. In effect, a seance was a voluntary haunting, a summoning of ghosts, and at which the dead would speak through mediums, rap on tables, sometimes even let themselves be touched, smelt, or seen. Wow. These forms of contact seeming, seemed hardly more outlandish than methods that had become commonplace since the war. Soon predicted, Fodor, the mechanism of, physic, of psychic communication will be understood and used with the same facility as the wireless and telephone. Scores of seances and private consultations were advertised in spiritualist press, along with lectures at physical, it's uh, that word again, Psychical research societies, books and pamphlets on the occult, displays of clairvoyance and levitation. Some spiritualists believe that there was so much supernormal activity because the dead were straining to come closer. The boundary between two states, the known and the unknown, is still substantial, wrote the renowned physicist and radio, radio pioneer Sir Oliver Lodge, who had lost his son in the war. But it's... He says, but it is wearing thin in places and like excavators engaging in boring a tunnel from opposite ends amid the roar of water and other noises. We're beginning to hear now and again the strokes of pickaxes of our comrades on the other side. Hmm. It's very, it's very dramatic. Very deep. Very deep. Exactly. But Fodor, having read the work of Sigmund Freud, was becoming skeptical, skeptical about spiritualism. He began he believed the supernormal phenomenon might be caused not by the shades of the dead, but by the unconscious minds of the living. And he sensed that Alma Fielding was the perfect subject on whom to test his theories. Hmm, interesting thought. When Fodor took, 
took Alma to the International Institute in Kensington. He and his colleagues saw a diamante brooch materialize from thin air. Then an ancient oil lamp, a white, a white mouse, and a scarab beetle, a Javanese sparrow. She seemed to be able to astrally project herself from Croydon to Kensington and back again. Yeah, I, that like, literally was like, wait, right? what? Back and forth. Like, just imagine being in your living room in one room or in one house. And like, and going back to the office. I need a coffee. Just dropping in. Right? Perfect world. To assess her powers, Fordor used all the modern methods at his disposal. Voice recorders, telephones, cameras, x-rays, chemical analysis, hypnosis, and word association tests. He gathered witness statements and transcribed Alma's dreams, sent investigators to track her movements. He laid traps. If Alma's phenomena were tricks, he wanted to know how she was pulling them off. If not, he needed to understand how the psychic mechanisms by which they were being generated. Hmm. He said, there is a door for which leads from my, from the mind we know to the mind we do not know. He told the Daily Mirror in 1938. Now and again, the door is opened. Strange things happen. There are manifestations, queer phenomena, transfigurations. As the door to the unconscious swung open, Fodor reasoned, a suppressed feeling might escape its human host in the material form. Okay. He speculated that mediums discharged electromagnetic rays from their fingers or toes or extruded invisible semi-metallic psychic rods or ectoplasm threads like cobwebs. There are, it is plain, strange forces about us of which we know practically nothing, he said. Just as once we knew nothing of electricity. I mean... I mean, if you're shooting rays, lays, I mean, lasers it, out I of your fingers... I can see how the thought process is, but... Uh, uh, that might be... Uh, who is it? Em what is it? Emperor Palpatine from um, Star Wars? Yes. Zzz, right? Yes. Fodor noticed that Alma often seemed detached from herself when a weird event took place. And he wondered if at such moment her buried life surged to the surface and broke out. He was intrigued by the phenomenon of mental dissociation, which had been observed both in mediums and in victims of shell shock. They'd just come out of the First World War. Hmm. The subject fascinated... The subject fascinated novelists too. Agatha Christie featured characters with split consciousness or dual personality in her short story collection, The Hound of Death. The protagonist of Patrick Hamilton's novel, Hangover Square, is helplessly besotted with a woman who spurns him and at a click in his head or would the word snap or crack describe it better? He wonders. His yearning humiliated itself is replaced with a numb, implacable avenger. Fodor wondered whether Alma's psyche and had fractured under the pressure of forbidden emotion. Perhaps she had underwent spells of amnesia in which she unconsciously carried out supernatural tricks. Or perhaps her estranged alter ego was escaping her body, snapping and cracking itself into being as an ex external physical force. Ping! Right? So that's kind of like the... Um, we have yeah, multiple personality, yeah. but one, you know, something like that. In March, Fodor arranged a day trip to Bogner Regis and with Alma and four members of the Institute. Alma is skittish in skittish spirits, agreed to see if her poltergeist would poltergeist could spirit a ring from the local branch of Woolworths at the jewelry counter in the Bogner Woolies. I guess that's 
Woolworths. I guess so. Over there. Fodor and his Fodor and his party watched Alma select a ring with two stones on a curved bridge, examine it, then return it to the assistant. It was the nicest ring there, Alma said, but she did not ha- want to buy it today. The shop girl eyed the suspicious eyed them suspiciously as they moved away. It looked fishy to her, wrote Fodor. She followed us. We began to feel uncomfortable. As the group turned into a road near the shop, Alma said that she heard a rattle in the box that she was carrying. Fodor took the box from her, opened it, and found the ring she was handling. Shut the front door. My flesh creaked. He said everyone was staggered. All swore that they had seen the ring still on the jewelry counter as they left. The experience was rather alarming, Fodor said. We had committed psychic shoplifting. That's a new one. A few of the hauntings that Fodor investigated took place in crumbling old manor houses with creaking stairs and hidden priest holes. But most were in ordinary towns and suburbs, such as Bugner or Croydon. He had become familiar with the consumerist, aspirational, working-class culture of post-war Britain. This is the England of arterial and bypassed roads. Of filling stations and factories that look like exhibition buildings. Of giant cinemas and dance halls and cafes. Woolworths, motor coaches, wireless hiking, factory girls looking like actresses, greyhounds racing and dirt tracks, swimming pools and everything given away for a cigarette coupon. You need money in this England, Priestley said, but you do not need much money. This is a large scale mass production job with cut prices. So it's just an average place, but it's kind of like what we have as society today, right? Right. You have everything you can need. Right. Poltergeists were a Woolies brand of phenomenon, vulgar copies of ethereal phantom of old. According to the Daily Mail, they were altogether different from the honest, upright ghosts of decaying castles in ancient halls. Okay. They displayed low cunning and nasty intention in mean underhanded ways. Poltergeists were domestic hoodlums. Destructive, subversive, and uncouth. Yes, they're not wrong. I love that. Fodor, Fodor's fellow ghost hunter, Maud Falokes, said that she longed for ghosts in the same way that she yearned for unspoiled country of yesteryear. Unspoiled. Unspoilt. Oh, the T. Okay. <laughs> A land untainted by roadhouse pubs and electricity pylons, but Fodor was not bound by the snobbery or nostalgia of his adopted country. Far from sneering at poltergeists, he liked them. And where others might see Alma as, a typical, as typical of her class and gender, irrational, opportunistic, sly, to Fodor, she was ingenious, complex, and fun. He guessed that she sometimes faked phenomena in order to retain the, re- the researcher's interest. Okay. But he forgave such lapses. He had no doubt that her terror and at the original poltergeist activity was genuine, and he understood why the imaginative working-class woman might resort to supernatural hoaxing. The American writer Charles Fort noted that poltergeists often emanated from those who had no direct power, women, servants, adolescents, and children. In the event of World War of a world war, Fort suggested that in Wild Talents, published in 1932, a squad of poltergeist girls might be deployed against enemy troops. Interesting. He imagined the scene, both futuristic and archaic, in which the girls combined their violent gifts, a regiment bursts into flames, and their soldiers are torches. Horses snort smoke from the combustion of their entrails. Very dramatic. Wow. Right? It struck me that Alma's haunting, like other supernatural events in the 30s, was an expression of national as well as personal dread. Okay. The, per, the poltergeist story of the of 
20 February 1938, shared the front page of the Sunday pictorial with a giant photograph of Adolf Hitler. So the headline seemed to issue from the furs shouting mouth, Ghost Reeks Home, Reeks, Rex Home, rather. It read, Family Terrorized. Every single week, every week that spring, the press carried warnings about Hitler and Mussolini's belligerence and reports of Britain's frantic efforts to shore up the country's defenses. Hmm. The threat of war touched everyone. Alma's husband, Les, had been injured in the latest conflict, in fact. He liked, he still woke in terror from trench dreams. And their only son, Don, was likely to be called up next. Yikes. As summer approached, Fodor intensified his efforts to unearth the childhood trauma that might explain Alma's poltergeist. In his depression, he stepped, or his desperation, rather, he stepped up his surveillance and resorted increasingly to deception. He was convinced that a repressed memory was responsible for the storm of violence in Alma's home. Okay. Supernatural events he believed embodied the splintering and contradiction of traumatic experience. A ghost conjured with uneasy sense that some something both was was and was not real. Huh. That an event recurred as if it were out, outside time and undead. Fodor's colleagues were appalled when they learned of his conclusions about Alma's hauntings. In 1938 of autumn, they ex- expelled from him the from the inter- expelled him from the International Institute of Confiscated and confiscated his papers. They were papers that I found in the Cambridge archive that he had mentioned before. The fat folder of evidence seemed to be a wonderful object, a documentary account of fictional and magical events, okay. a historical record of the imagination. Some of his methods were troubling, but I was moved by his refusal to condemn Alma as a maniac or fraud. As they go through, the, the, by the time that Fodor's book was about the Thornton Health Heath Poltergeist was published in 1958. Physical research was no longer taken seriously by most scientific th- thinkers. Yet his idea about poltergeist psychosis found expression in fiction, where you can tell off that. What is it? To path. Telepathically? Yeah, telepathically do things. <laughs> yes. That's thinking. What's it when you can control oh, the things? Jedi. Yeah, the Jedi mind trick where you can yeah. move things. There's a, is this still kinesis? It's some sort of kinesis, isn't it? Telekinesis, that's what it is. Telekinesis basically is what they were thinking. So a filmmaker proposed to Jackson that, this is another gentleman, um, he asked Jackson, he was a writer, Shirley Jackson explores the possibility that a disturbed individual can trigger supernatural events. A filmmaker proposed to Jackson that they present the events to her as a novel as the hallucinations of a woman in a mental asylum. Okay. But she discouraged the approach. The story was about a real supernatural happening, she said. Like Fodor, she chose not to explain away psychic experiences as madness and lies. Okay. The strand of a psychological gothic emerges, um, again, in Stephen King's novel, Carrie, in which a humiliated teenager suppressed feelings erupt into supernatural violence. Right? The Shining, in which ghosts are awakened by the obsessions of the living. Yes. It runs through books and films such as Barbara Combs' The Vet's Daughter, which I haven't heard of. I haven't either. Um, there's several books here that I haven't heard of. Okay. But there's Sarah Waters' The Little Stranger, Jennifer Kent's The Babadook. To the question of whether the haunting was real or fantasized, psychological or supernatural, the answer given by such stories was both. 
a ghost could be imagined into being from a feeling repressed so forcefully that it acquired uncanny power or irrational, darker selves, wrote Elizabeth Bowen demand in her book, demand familiars. So it's, it's just this interesting story about this woman, right? Who is she having a psychotic break? Right. Right. And there's tons of, stories about this the book we'll pull it up here real quick so there really isn't an ending well, to and, this. and and so here's the thing like i have heard over and over again that a lot of uh poltergeists are the people You've in the area causing it, it. Like, well no it's, it. there's something like the energy going in or on i should say in their brain that's so strong it's giving i don't want to say life, life to but, it yeah. but it gives it energy yeah um, if you will and then it becomes something and i, I and i think that there's a lot of probably paranormal researchers that also believe that like there are some ghost poltergeists definitely but those don't tend to do as much with like things breaking and flying around the house you know know. yeah that that it's your brain it's the power of your brain right and what you're struggling with is what causes uh one of the things real quick is a lot of like when people do seances yeah like the seances back in the 30s were very much like trickster kind of things right. like they were doing them and like the table things would lift yes, and yeah. pull a little thing or it somebody be behind yeah it was theatricals acting right. and stuff to the point where Fodor literally went he went I read another article on it he was he liked to debunk, debunk things right? right and a person came out in like a sheet right and like ooh, <laughs> and he pulled it off very scuba do-ish looking yeah. right and when you do something, when that kind of thing, there's so actually he, a movie out that right now. Scooby Doo. No, where the guy's there to debunk this woman, kind of the okay. same thing during a seance, and then murder actually happens. It's maybe the same people that kind of same it. idea, it's right? The same guy that's like murder on the Orient Express, murder on the Nile. Gotcha. It's the same character that's doing all this. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's that was a big thing because I did do a lot of seance seances. Mm-hmm. In the 30s. People were trying to get into spirituality. Yes. So like something like and three quarters did. of a million. It was a, it was a CAD, you know, like people mm-hmm. would pay good money to have a uh, seance to bring right. their they loved one to... back. Or if they were missing something, where did you hide it? You know, and a lot of it was fake. Right. Absolutely. So because it was a money grab. Right. So in in the early 30s, after World War One, like 750,000 Britons had were killed in the war. Oh, Something like, okay. it was people, like civilians right. and military. It wasn't just all military. Right. Um, from bombing. It just, it was uh, Parts terrible. Of war. Yeah. Um, so they were looking to try and connect with right. those people again. Yep. So yep. very interesting. Here's a couple photos real quick. So we've got the book, of course, um, which is, there you go, Peter. Cool. It's right there. The Haunting of Alma Fielding by Kate. What was her last name? I can't see it from there. Shaken. Summerscale. Summerscale. Thank you. It was at the beginning of the article. Summerscale. We've got that. Then we have a picture of of her in of Alma just sitting in a chair smiling. She just looks like an average oh, person. One down. Yep. There you go. No, that's fine. Oh, is then it? Then there's one with her kind of in a trance. This is what oh. she just kind of looks like she's napping, but yeah. she is so in that's, a trance. So. That's okay. Yeah. Wow. So we've got that. That's and then cool. lastly, we've got her and her husband, Les. So there are, I mean, there's, I mean, there's enough that there's pictures. Right. And, you know, you kind of, it's pretty interesting that you have those. Did it, they ever, there's nothing no, was nothing ever, ever decided? Or, interesting. No. I just thought it was an interesting story because yeah. I'm like, I'd well, never it, heard of it. Well, here's the thing that's crazy that it's happening so much. Like, eventually, you feel like your brain would get the tired. Eggs? They're just light and messy. <laughs> 
poltergeist just yeah. likes to chuck eggs. Yeah, right. It's all good. Yeah. Awesome. That's a good story, babe. Well, I hope you liked it. I hope I you guys think. liked it as well. It's kind of a new, it's an interest, different one. It's different, yeah. A tangent from some of the other yeah. stuff we do, but it's kind of a, it's still it was a cool interesting, story. yeah. But if you like that story, go out, like, subscribe to the channel. Please go out and share the channel with everybody that you yep. think would enjoy this kind Give of story. Give us some thumbs up. Absolutely. If you did enjoy that story. Link in the bio for all of the audio versions. If you're into downloading audio, you can go out to, it'll bring you straight to iTunes and everything as far as all that goes. Spotify, yep. all of those good yep. ones. And then, of course, where you want to pick up some shirts, you want to check out some of our stuff Swag. out there, it's under Binary League Studios, but it's going to be up in the bio as cool. well. So with that, thank you so much, and we will catch you Bye, next guys. time. Bye, guys. Have a great Cheers. week.